All right, welcome back to episode two of the second season of the Enneagram Panels podcast as we go into looking at and talking to the nines. Yeah, boy. These are beautiful souls, aren't they? I mean, nines are warm. Uh, you, I mean, you know, you're married yeah. to a nine. Uh, uh, if you're in a fight with a nine, you're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> just, just walk away. Just or at least no one's going to believe you. No, <laughs> they're always going to side with the nine. Uh, very true. Very true. I don't think I've ever. That's right. I don't think I've ever had any compassion, uh, you know, <laughs> given to me when I've been at, at, in a fight with a nine. By but that's never else. happened. This is a funny thing. I've never uh, – I've told nines. Nines have apologized to me for having said something, you know, two or three weeks later, for having said something I think hurt me. And I've laughed about it with them saying, I, I don't even remember that or didn't register as anything hurtful. And so it becomes a, a fun point of conversation for them. But it's also very enlightening because what it shows the nine is how the nine always seems to think – that they have disproportionate effect on the world around them. And they are always trying to pull themselves back, kind of you know, self-effacing and, uh, and self-neglecting. And, and so we talk about this with the nines, that their, their path is going from that self-neglecting, that self-forgetting to bringing yourself into the conversation with people, to decision-making. In the Enneagram world, we call that right action for the nine. When they move from their vice, which is sort of, you know, some of the older terms are, are sloth, but or you know, but but it's really about falling asleep to yourself, and it's waking up to what is my, what are my desires, what are my thoughts about things, uh, what do I want to do in this moment, and so for them, this is their path, and it is difficult for them, and and it's it's funny for others who think. Uh, yeah, I, I actually have to work in the opposite direction. There's too much of me. <laughs> I kind of I'm very assertive. I'm I'm very intense, but not so for the nines. And so we we had a great conversation with them. It is wonderful to watch how they begin to finally face some of the conflicts in their lives that they've been avoiding, and the very opposite of what they think is going to happen happens instead of them. Uh, what they fear is that they're going to lose peace and inner harmony and external harmony as well, harmony with other people, and instead it deepens it for them. Yeah, I remember a moment where my wife, who's a nine, woke up to this, where we were interacting with some people about future plans, and they just didn't communicate. And she's like, I think I'm finally getting to the point where I realize – I would rather have the conflict. I would rather have the awkward conversation than just not knowing. And that was a serious wake-up moment where she realized that. Just like, is this something that we can be prone to? Because I don't actually want to do this. I'd rather have the awkward conversation. And that is a huge step forward for a nine. And the nine doesn't have to do it the way the eight does. Or does not not have to. (laughs) That would be an interesting change in your marriage. Yeah, right. Uh, Nines do it the way the nines do it. And this is one of the things that's been very helpful for them is figuring out their own path. How do I do conflict? It's going to be different than any other type. I don't have to look like uh, like an eight when I do conflict. And that's one of the things that you'll notice in, in this podcast is how some of them finally did step up to it. But when they do it, they do it in a way that is still warm, is still uh, very much about bringing people into relationship rather than pushing them away. 
And so that's a wonderful thing to watch how, how nines lean into that, lean into that part of it. And also the hacks that they use to really kind of, the world moves around them very quickly for, for a number of nines. They feel like it's too fast. And so for them to tune into themselves really is uh, taking sometimes a pause and then paying attention to what's going on internally. And so you'll hear some of the steps that they're taking to tune into what they think, what they feel, what they want. So it's really exciting to see you know, transformation take place. I've never seen so much change in the lives of people through the Enneagram. But it's tough. It's hard work. But the, the transformation really does take place. And so we started seeing some of this happen with these nines that are on this panel. And to this date, even now, uh, months later, they're still telling me how they're moving forward in growth. And one of the nines is no longer fears conflict, is able to actually face it head on and usually wins those people to himself. So it's it's really remarkable to watch. And I'm excited that this is an exceptional episode because the nine panel from last season is the most listened to of any of the episodes of last season. Is it? Yes. Wow. By almost 25%. So there are a lot of nines that will be listening to this. <laughs> so bless you guys. Yes. We love you so much. Yeah. If we can help in any way... Um, let us know. But without further ado, we want to jump and listen to the Live 9 panel from this night, which was fabulous. So these are the warm and fuzzy types right here, uh, the 9s. 9s are, are called the peacemakers. Nines early on discerned that inserting yourself, asserting yourself, was not a good idea. That uh, their needs weren't nearly as important as the needs of other people. And the nine who's naturally born this way, naturally is a warm person that likes to connect to people, likes to feel connected, enjoys peace, harmony. But then what happens is then when the nine picks up on any vibe where there's a more assertive personality, there's somebody that seems to know what they want and they're intense about it, the nine starts to feel like their needs, their voice, their thoughts are not as important. And so the nine begins to slip into its vice, which is sometimes called sloth. I'm not a big fan of that word. It gets close, but not quite at the type. But for, for some, some feel like sloth doesn't really describe them as well. Uh, some other nines own it. They know oh, it's definitely the thing. But what it means is that it's not that the nine becomes inactive. Now, the nine can become inactive. There are nines I know who just like, that's it. I veg out. I don't do anything. But we also have other nines that are highly active and very involved. It's that they, they become slothful when it comes to their own priorities, their own voice, their own thoughts, their own feelings. They start to respond to everybody else's except for theirs. They're wonderful peacemakers because they have the capacity of seeing everybody's vantage point, everybody's viewpoint, and really synthesizing it, bringing it together, except for their own. So they sort of fade out or merge, really, merge with the energies of those around them, and they have the, the ability to see it from the inside out, see and understand people's thoughts oftentimes from the inside out. So when the nine begins to disintegrate, um, meaning the nine's been trying to make peace, the nine's been going about doing its nineness, and that stops working for it, 
Then the nine becomes more worried than it normally is. It becomes more anxious. Um, It starts to pay attention more to what are people feeling, thinking about me? Am I performing well enough? And so uh, the nine begins to really become anxious on the inside. But when the nine begins to move towards health, the nine takes on more of the characteristics of the three, and that is the performer. The three knows what the three wants, and it goes and gets it. The nine is in the body type. So we talked about the eights being body types. Nines are also in the body triad. So nines tend towards valuing themselves also by what they do. It's action-oriented. Even when they're not so much in action, when they're trying to fade back, uh, the natural orientation for the nine is to think action first. They tend to, again, forget the emotions or oppress the emotions in order to maintain that, that inner Akuna matata, as some say, that inner harmony, that inner peace. All right, nines, talk to me. You guys tend to do this sort of self-forgetting, and that can become an internal sort of sloth, even if on the external, you guys are incredibly hard workers. You do feel that internal like self-forgetting and the laziness to the self. So talk about maybe some of your growth. How have you started to grow and lean more into this is who I am, and so the virtue starts to look at right action. The right action for the nine means what is my priority? Who am I? What are my feelings? What are my thoughts? What are my desires? And then beginning to lean into that, and how did that work for you? So I'd like to hear maybe a story, maybe some things you're learning, some habits you're learning to access that more. Um, so. The thing that's coming to mind for me is uh, as I was growing up, my parents had a certain view of what a child should do growing up with things to get involved with. And so they put me in Boy Scouts, which I hated. They put me in music, which I was okay with. And they got me in athletics, which I kind of liked. And I achieved very highly in all of those areas. And I I kind of took them on. I wanted to kind of do what was expected of me. And never really asked the question. They never asked me, and I never asked the question, were those things I actually wanted to do as I tuned into those. Only about six months ago, you know, 55 years later, (laughs) um, did I ask the question, looking back on those things, am I a musician? And I was like, I listen to music, but the idea, like, I went to music school. I I got a degree in music, and... I'm like, I'm not a musician. (laughs) The idea of performing, I I was a worship leader for, you know, 30 years. I don't even like leading worship. (laughs) I love worship. Don't get me wrong. I love worship. I hate leading worship. Got into athletics and, you know, again, achieved at a very high level. But, you know, it's not just that I'm, I'm old and fat now. I hate working out. I, I hate doing things. So I was like, you know, whoa, revelation. And, and so, you know, the question mark of, of who am I is like just a very seriously deep question because all of the things, you know, and I, I could have listed 20 other things that have kind of fit that same pattern. Those are not me. So who is me? And the first 
answer is, I have no clue. Zero. And, and it wasn't too long ago that that zero answer was mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So on another level, being really out of touch with me, I was also out of touch with feelings and what do I think in this situation. And so one of the ways I started getting out of that was I, I started setting my alarm on my phone for every two hours. And when the alarm goes off, that's when I ask myself, what am I feeling right now? What am I thinking right now? And in the process of doing that, it got to the point where six years ago, if you had asked me, what are you feeling right now? I would freeze and uh, like, I don't know. And like Allison said, well, what? I, I often said, give me a couple minutes. But what I really meant was give me a couple years <laughs> and, and maybe I'll tap into that feeling at some point. But it got to the point where, you know, now, you know, that alarm goes off about four or five times a day. And, um, and I'm tuning in more and more to, you know, okay, what is me? What do I want to do? What's bringing me life? Where are the rhythms of my my heart, mind, body, where, you know, where are they taking me? And, and just learning to tune into that has just been so life-giving. Pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, just as you were talking, similarly, growing up, I never had this strong desire of what I wanted to do. There was never this, you know, I'd run into kids and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be a doctor, and da, da, da. you know, like, I never had any strong feelings. I guess what I started doing was, well, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do that. It was more of like a process of elimination kind of thing. And I, I ended up like, well, I love to worship, and I, I, it was almost like little experiences would kind of be like little, um, little signs or markers that would kind of help lead you. And then I remember, like, career-wise, like, working with flowers. And I was like, wow, they're already beautiful, and I'm getting to arrange beauty. Like, and so it was probably started off as, well, I don't actually have to create it from scratch because that would maybe be too vulnerable, you know? I don't know if that's true. I've never actually even said that before. But I'm wondering, you know, like, because it was already beautiful, and so that was less intimidating. Like I could make it more beautiful mm-hmm. and arranging. But something that's come out through this journey for me is um, I think one of my greatest fears is the fear of being magnificent. You know, wow. like wow. that's kind of like, mm-hmm. Angel, you were saying something about, um, I don't know, you said something. And, and I was like, wow, I think I, you had talked about that being your nine wing. Yeah. And the, Totally, totally. So being, um, let's just sit there for a second because there's something something really good there. And I appreciate you doing that and you saying that and speaking that way. Because it is vulnerable to look at it because you're in the type that also doesn't. I mean, nines don't, I don't know of many nines that love vulnerability either. It's not that you want to be like the eights and powerful and controlling of everything, but there's a sense of in which exposing who you are on the inside or seeing that can be a little scary, can be a little exposing. So not wanting to be magnificent, what in that is unsettling to you? Or have you been able to give that some thought and seeing what about the being magnificent is scary, unsettling, exposing? Well, I mean, fear of failure. I mean, like I putting yourself out there for sure. 
I haven't given it a lot of thought other than, so leaning into the three, which is more out there, present, successful. I remember reading the three and I'm like, well, that's, that's what I'm supposed to lean towards. Like, I thought that was bad, especially as a woman. And, you know, I mean, I was trained to be, um, you know, uh, to be a helper, you know, when I read what my health, what I was supposed to look like in health, I'm like, I was very surprised. It's given me, I think, more confidence because the little voice in my head um, has been, oh, well, don't draw attention to yourself or don't do that. That's not what you're supposed to do. People will think you're just needing attention, basically, you know. Mm. I think it's given me more confidence just even here in church and doing things because when that voice is in my head, I'm like, no, I'm supposed to lean into this. Like, this is who Mm. I am and that's okay. Okay. Mm. That's maybe just that awareness has really helped and then walking that out, I'm sure, has produced some growth. <laughs> yeah, so you behave almost against what you're... Yeah, it feels normal. totally unnatural. Yeah. You know, because growing up too, I was taught it's spiritual to deny yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's spirituality. Like, deny your flesh, deny yourself. You're not supposed to have your own thoughts and feelings. Like, you know, you're supposed to be the mm-hmm. servant and the helper. And that's, that's what a a good girl looks like. To me, it all feels very selfish. Yeah. And by the way, that's usually preached by type eights and type sevens like me and type threes who are like, yeah, you know, you need to serve. You need to, well, why do we say that? Well, because that's our path, you know? And so we're talking about this as like our path is oftentimes we have to go against our natural disposition, which is taking and consuming and we have to go in the reverse direction. The verses in the Bible that speak to us are the ones that are telling us to serve, right? And we're typical leaders. So then we rise up in positions of leadership, and we're preaching from our perspective, our Enneagram type. And you're a nine, and you're already self-forgetting. <laughs> so, on top, so you get the message, you know, double down on you, which definitely has that effect. You're going against the types of things like even doing flower arrangements, is that sort of a step for you of going towards more closer towards the things that are true to you? Has that been one of your 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 steps? And I mean, it's been my outlet, my creative yeah. outlet. So it does feel like it's my space, my time yeah. to do what I want to do. Um, it's a break and it's challenging. You know, like I still have to fight. Oh, like I didn't go to school for this. Like, you know, all your insecurities do come out. Maybe a real practical story was even uh, this weekend. Um, I did two weddings this past week with a person who owns the business, and there were some leftover flowers. And, you know, it's Vera's graduating from preschool. And so, you know, you give teacher gifts. And so I had all these, you know, extra flowers. So I was like, well, I'll. I'll arrange them. But then I'm like, well, but that, that was a couple days ago. And it, like, should I really give them to them? And so gifts are like wicked hard for me. I think about them all the time, but I talk myself out of it or I just, oh, well, that's not right or da, 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 you know? So I felt myself going there, you know, like, oh, I made the arrangements for them. And then I, I was still like, I didn't get the feedback that I was like, oh, should I really do this? Should I not do this? And um, I almost didn't give it to him, you know, but then I was Mm. like, you know what? That is my old self. I'm not going to do it. It's an act of 
love, they'll at least feel valued, you know, even if they're not like brand new flowers, you know, that are a couple days old or something. So it felt like a little bit of a win this weekend as far as just <laughs> actually giving them the gifts. But <laughs> that is awesome. But it's, awesome. it's, it's a Good constant. For Good for you. Know, you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and just as a, as a kind of a note to those, those of you um, who don't um, know a nine or you're not, you're not a nine um, is because the nine tends to give value to the voices outside themselves more than they give value to the voice within them. It is extraordinarily difficult to do something that is totally from the voice within. Right. Do you resonate with that? Is that something that's true for you? That, having someone else tell you, hey, this is what you should do. It's a lot easier to live in that space than it is into what is your voice? What is your, your, your desire? Maybe you want to say something to that? Yeah. Sometimes just opening your mouth <coughs> is half the battle. You know, we were talking about vulnerability and it's, I feel like it's not that I'm necessarily afraid to be vulnerable I feel like if I'm talking too much, I'm sucking the air out of the room and I'm taking time from you. And um, it's like ridiculous. It's ridiculous thinking. You know, I don't feel that way when someone's talking to me. I actually like to hear stories and chances are other people like to hear stories and maybe mine too. So like it's, it's really faulty, faulty thinking, but that's where I go to. And so I keep quiet or I don't give that gift. And sometimes just opening your mouth is, it just puts the foot in the door and you go, well, I got to walk through it now. (laughs) (laughs) So isn't this, it's it's fascinating, right? Because these are little tricks that the type that you learn is in your type. The reason why we're doing this in large part is breathe air into the good that is happening in your life. Because if you don't, your type will naturally look for the places it is failing in. And wherever your attention goes is where the energy follows. So if your attention is towards, I'm not good enough, I shouldn't assert myself, I'm talking too much, I'm sucking the air out of the room, I'm, I'm, just, it's all, I'm making it about me. If the attention goes there, then the process of editing yourself is, is underway. And the nine is regularly editing the nine self. It's like, am I doing the right thing? I mean, there's a lot of that going on. You're not the only type that does that, but that's, that happens a lot. So when the nine is doing that, editing the self and, and trying to pull away, it's that the attention is there, therefore the energy is there, and you forget all the other things that actually have worked for you, that when you did share a story... People are like, oh, that's really fascinating. I, I really thank you for, for saying something like that. Well, what do you do with, as a nine when you hear someone say, thank you for leaning out? And, and wow, I'm really inspired by the fact that you are doing these things and you're stepping out into the true self, into who you are. You know, however words they put it in, but, you know, they're, they're kind of celebrating that. A lot of people go, for, edit that out, forget that, because, right, would, right? What is the saying about affirmations? They're like Teflon and criticisms are like Velcro. How are you learning to listen to those affirmations? Are you listening to those affirmations? Do you, does your brain tend to just like, <laughs> that can't be true. I don't, I don't buy it. What do you, what do you do when you, it, or when something positive, just not even affirmation, but something positive, you spoke up and someone went, oh, that's a great story. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, and, and, 
just trying to appreciate that is is definitely hard because you want to I think something that you said that resonated the idea of being holy is about what did you say sacrifice or or self-denial like there's that element of that that it's better not to have that than to need it you know which is wow. nutty thinking too I mean, I love when people give me affirmation, you know, like I do, like I feel um, like that's very helpful and I love it. I'm like, sure, more. But at the same time, ultimately, I do have to separate and pull away and know like, what do I think about myself or what do I feel is the right thing to do? So if I was solely relying on affirmation, I would never do anything because I don't get enough of it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, because the nine's main mindset is um, knowing other people's agenda. So like mm. at any given moment, I know what most people want from me. I mean, I can, I can know it. I can feel it. If somebody wants more of my time or they want me to do this, like I always know what others want from me. And I just always thought, well, because I know that and I'm not sure what I want, I'll just do that. I'll default to that. I'm having to learn to separate and really go into myself, pull back and be like, okay, what do I want? Or do I even want to do that? Or what what do I want to create space and time for? Rather than, you know, just going with the flow. We're, we're very used to going with the flow, I think. The distinction is that everybody else's flow, not... Like another type would say, yeah, I go with the flow, my own flow. Yeah, I feel what I want to do and I go with it. I don't fight it. But for you, it's the flow you have a surprising ability to read agendas out there, right? I think all of you would say that you pick up on it. You have psychic abilities to pick up on what people want. And that, yeah, that you, you thought it was normal. You thought everybody. So because you're doing that, Part of the reason you're doing that is, is, again, to avoid a disconnection from people or to avoid that the ruffling or the unsettling that happens internally. It's much easier to just go with the flow than to sort of work against it because of what might happen, you know, internally. Talked about how do you respond to affirmation, and it's part of the tricky part of being a nine because um, as I got into different things, my internal energy kind of kicked in. And I uh, achieved very high levels. And so I got a lot of affirmation. People were asking me all the time to take on leadership roles because they saw I was an achiever. And so I, I stepped into role after role after role after role. And I, I started thinking of myself as a leader and having this attitude, well, if something needs to get done and nobody's doing it, I need to step in and make it happen because that was already, you know, now formed in me through all the affirmation. Well, on comes the Enneagram and I realize that I'm, I'm actually not a leader. I mean, there's a sense in which I am a leader, but my default is not to be that leader that people are, have affirmed me as, all the way along, I actually prefer to be a number two rather than a number one. Number one is freaky and scary and insane and, you know, all of that stuff. And I've stepped into those roles because it was needed. 
and people were affirming me and all that. But, you know, to, to pull back and say, hmm, that's not me, you know. Mm. Part of my growth has been taking more number two roles, and I'm finding in that just this glorious freedom that just is so... Mm. Beautiful. Me, you know, and uh, I love it. And I, I hope I never get into that number one role ever, 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 ever again, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But <laughs> first of all, that's awesome. Let's just celebrate that. But the second thing is the thought that comes to my mind is the, the affirmations, right? This is so interesting. You said, yeah, affirmations are great. But the thing is that I have to step, you said, I have to step back. You said the same thing. I have to step back because the affirmations themselves become almost like these little prisons, these expectations of this is how you're to perform, right? We all love affirmation. We can get misled by affirmation, but the nine, really, it's like this is, this is my guidance rather than what's in here. So talk about how you step back. How do you prevent yourself from merging with the energies of the world around you? <laughs> uh, I have a- Your husband's laughing. <laughs> I don't know if he's laughing for himself or for our offspring, but um, (laughs) who always knows what she wants all the time. Um, So I pretty much, for me, I have to get away. I feel like the happiest, most freeing hear myself time is when I'm on the elliptical machine listening to worship music and just going at it. And then all of a sudden, my body's in motion, I'm moving. And I have this uplifting music in the background. And then I can really, it's almost like it's, ah, oh, there you are. I'm serious. Mm. Like, it's almost like, oh, there you are. And there um, you are to yourself. To you myself. Mean? Wow. Like, I just become yeah. very present. And I can, that's where I come up with my mojo and I can hear things and I get ideas. I've only really been doing that or aware of it for the past couple of years, not for very long, um, because I, always thought I needed to get still and quiet and in a room. And that, that is true. That's good. But what I normally ended up doing was falling asleep because anytime we can sit down, we can just fall asleep. I mean, I read a book, I fall asleep, I need to take a nap. And then the best time to read is when you wake up from a nap and then read, because then you don't have to worry about falling asleep. You know, like, (laughs) I'm serious. Like you just... So sometimes I do have to get in a, in a closet and it has to be pitch black. No, no distractions. And I can also hear myself then. Okay. Like when I'm in yeah. like, like when I don't want anybody to see me, yeah. you know, and then I can hear myself. So kind of those two things are walking in motion uh-huh. yeah. and then complete black closet. Just, Ooh. yeah. Huh. Lately, I've been going for late night walks around a body of water. And that just, it, it gets my body in motion, which is good. And it helps relax all the feeling I have in my body, the hmm. tension and whatnot. And that's super helpful. So that's been something. Also, I um, sort of relating to the whole stepping out of the box thing is I have a life coach which holy shiza guys like it really helps sort out my head and i still have like the self doubt there but like just getting things 
out there and actually having to get on the phone and talk mm-hmm. like me talk like it's so difficult and just putting words outside my body you know like all these things super helpful um yeah one of the things i'm trying to do more is um just listen throughout the day to myself and um i've spent uh 55 years listening to everybody else i I figure it's high time to kind of listen to myself and what's going on inside my my family is going through this crazy time right now and i'm living on my own temporarily yet wonderfully you know in quotes i guess but it seems like god has orchestrated the time so that where i'm living i determine every curtain that goes over a window i determine what kind of toilet paper i get you know and and i i kind of go through my day just kind of listening to do i like that or no and if i don't you know i throw it out and if i don't have any replacement for it this is what i like it just stays there empty until i find out what i like or maybe in that moment i Say, oh, okay, yeah, I like that, and and I like literally, I'll drop everything, I'll run to the store and go buy that, and bring it back and put it in that place, you know. And I, I've just made my highest priority listening to the rhythms of my thought, my feeling, my actions, and you know, thankfully, my job right now is flexible enough that I don't have to work from eight to five. And then do everything else after that. I just need to get my work done. And that can look like working at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I, I can do it anytime. So to take that half an hour to run to the store and get something and bring it back and put it on my counter is really no big deal. So I, anyway, I'm just very thankful for the, the context that God has given to be able to explore that. And what I see emerging around me, you know, is not just like a list of things that I'm doing and that I'm filling up my schedule with, but it's the things that are populating my condo right now. How many things can I throw out this week that, you know, I've, we've owned for, you know, 30 years and I always hated them, but I never, (laughs) I never had the guts to like say, I hate this and I'm going to get rid of it. So so anyway, just kind of going through those rhythms. That's awesome. <laughs> this is just huge. I mean, we've done a lot within a space of, of 45 minutes in terms of, our, uh, of talking about all kinds of great things that you guys are doing. Well, one of the things I want to present to you guys to, to notice is how the nine has to be intentional to create space, to move away, to pull away in order for the nine to discern what it wants. It's not natural. It's not automatic. It's not something that happens while everything else in life is happening at a rapid pace. Okay? That's unique to the nine. A lot of other types, it's in, yeah, I can, you know, sort of know right, right in the moment or give me a few, but, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. But there's a lot of intentionality for you not to merge because that's your automatic pattern to merge with, with others. Last question, and then we'll open it up for questions from the audience. But one of the great fears of the nine is to create conflict. And yet conflict is necessary. It's necessary to engage it. And sometimes it's, it's almost necessary for the nine. I wouldn't say almost, it is necessary for the nine to actually initiate 
to, it's almost the way you have to think. Initiate conflict, even though it may not actually end up being conflict. It's the initiation of it because you'll always be way behind the time that you should or the opportunity to create conflict. You'll always be way late on engaging that naturally. That's your natural disposition. So, so you almost have to, so it's almost you have to trick yourself to say, I got to speak up. I got to say something because that hurt. Or I got to speak up because I, I really don't want to do this. I want to do this. Talk about that. Talk about a time where maybe recently or maybe some years ago when you created what felt like you're creating conflict by asserting yourself or inserting yourself into the story. And uh, how did that go? And did you... <laughs> Bob's like... I spoke you. I don't even know if I can think of anything because, so, you, you know, when people, when you said, you know, like, does anybody have any questions? Like growing up, I would never answer questions. And I'm like, why did I never like ask questions? And we're so slow that by the time somebody says, Hey, do you have any questions? Okay. No, like it takes me like 10 minutes to realize what my question is and that I have a question. Like, mm. we're just so freaking slow, <laughs> you know, mm. like just to process. So people say, do you have a question? I'm like, oh, well, that's a great idea. Do I have a question? And if I had a question, what would it be? <laughs> and then, you know, nobody allows for that amount of time. <laughs> so I just, oh, what, yeah, what does everybody want to ask? Because I don't know, you know. <laughs> That's true. You live in a world that's just like... What's the question? uh, Like, ah, it's gone. You know, so it's a lot of missed opportunities just because we can't keep up, honestly. (laughs) Generally, it's like five or six hours later. (laughs) Hey, I have a question. (laughs) Yeah, that session's done. We've already moved on. We're... Yeah. Well, and that's why after the fact, you know, you'll have... You'll meet with a friend or you talk to somebody or, you know, you'll have a, a... interaction with somebody. And then it's always hindsight, like, oh, that would have been so great to talk about that. And, you know, or why didn't I pray for that person? Duh. You know, like it's always so much later. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. That happened like five times today for me. Um, the, The thing that kind of got me over the hump with conflict, like I'm I truly have gone from a place where I would run for the hills if I sensed conflict was anywhere within 10 miles of me to a point where I will run toward conflict now because I I care so much for the health of whatever group, even if it's just a a one-on-one relationship, I care so much for the health of that relationship or the health of that group or the health of the event or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm, and I've seen enough success in, you know, kind of busting through that wall of, you know, if I say something, it may get really uncomfortable for a little while, but in the end, we're going to get that much closer. And, Mm -hmm. and so just learning that habit over and over and over again was very unnatural to do, but uh, very necessary to do. And I think the the force of the necessity mm. of it kind of pushed me through the wall so that, um, you know, so now that I'm, now I'm very comfortable with conflict, but wasn't always. Let me just follow up with that real quick. And then I want to hear from the rest of you. But so when you did it and you faced the conflict, 
the fear of the nine is if I do this, it will result in, and oftentimes it's not a thought, there's no thought to it. But when you try to put words to it, it comes out with things like, I don't know, loss of relationship, loss of connection, disruption here. I feel really uncomfortable, unsettled. There's all kinds of, there's a storm and I can't live with a storm. What happened when you did it? Did it result in less peace as you're the peacemaker? Did it result in less peace? Did it result in more conflict? What, what took place? Uh, in the early stages, I, I froze emotionally. My thoughts just kind of flew out of my brain. The story I had prepared uh, <laughs> was no longer to be found. And, um, and I was sitting there in a room with a person searching, really uncomfortably so. And, and I call it freezing. I, I just felt like I, I froze up, couldn't get there. Even sometimes to the point where they said, was there something you wanted to say? <laughs> And that's humbling to be asked that. But um, pressing through that, I think the honest question in there is, am I willing to lose this relationship for the sake of this this conflict? Is the benefit that I see in mind is, you know, biblically thinking, the joy set before me, you know, of of this relationship healed, you know, the dynamics improved, is that joy worth potentially losing this relationship. And, and that was a question I asked myself, you know, a hundred times in a hundred different situations. And, and the connecting the dots with greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You know, uh, I felt like, you know, I needed to take this step to lay down, to think of that person as my friend. I'm going to lay down my, all my heebie-jeebies about this and and I'm going to go talk because I value moving ahead with that person in a healthy relationship. And, um, oh, gosh, it was so hard, <laughs> so hard. But, uh, yeah, so th- that, was, that was kind of the process there. For me, it's realizing that you're just not going to get away from conflict. Like, you, the world is round, so you run west and you're eventually going to find yourself in the east. Ah. It's not between me and you. I'm going to find it inside me. You know, and if I prolong me and you, I'm definitely going to find it inside me. So it's, it's definitely learned. It's a practice. It's getting in the nest and throwing yourself out and getting back in the nest and throwing yourself back out again. And most of the time you realize that fear of disconnection just isn't on the other person's radar. You know, like they're not stressing it the way a nine mm. is stressing it. But it's okay to to have an opinion or to not want to do something and that it's, it's okay to speak up about it, that most nine out of 10 times people aren't going to get all that ruffled. Uh, And then there are times where you, it's a terrible thing and you just have to do it. And sometimes if it's, if it's not directly related to me, it's an easier time with it. Like if, I see someone disrespecting someone, you know, like it's so much easier to be the mama bear, you know, for somebody else. One of the funny things about nines in conflict, and it's certainly been true for me, is that, uh, you know, when I went into dealing with conflict situations, I thought I was being an absolute bear. But the thing with nines is that we're such nice people <laughs> that uh, whenever we go into conflict thinking we're being really badass, 
we're, we're hardly at all, you know. I mean, we're just being nice and having a pleasant <laughs> conversation to everybody else in the world. And so our view of ourselves in conflict is really, I think, often convoluted. And uh, I had a nine come to me, like, I don't know, weeks after we had had this interaction, which I thought was fairly pleasant. And this, this person says to me, oh, I really feel real bad. I, I said some things that came from a bad, I was very angry. And I, I said some things that I think I might have hurt you. <laughs> I said, what? I, don't re- I don't remember. What, what was this about? There was a, like a couple of weeks ago when we had that. Co- oh, yeah, that great conversation we had where we talked. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really felt like I, I might have hurt you. And, and like, I thought that was a great conversation. I thought that was a good conversation. Like, we had this great exchange. But the nine felt like I had devastated you was something I said. I was like, man, you can, you, can, you can slap me anytime you want. That feels really good. Like if that was you confronting me on something, man, do it anytime you'd like. That feels good. Again, this is part of the sort of neurosis or the way that the nine thinks is that its own self is greater than, it's like you're creating more of a problem. So you're, you need to fade away. You're too much your impact. So even like you said, sucking the air out of the room, if I talk too much, it's always a sense that I'm doing something more than I, that I am. And so you're pulling yourself back. So it's, it's, it's almost like it, and it's automatic. So you, you, now you're aware of it. You're sort of saying, okay, I'm not going to have that, the effect of, you know, destroying somebody with my conflict. So. And so I've even had people say, well, gosh, didn't that, what they did to you, that was so wrong. Like, aren't you angry about that? I'm like, no. So I feel like we're very forgiving, gracious people, kind of, like on some level, like not, that maybe didn't come out right. That sounds kind of really snobbish. Oh, you think you are? But, you um, think you're better than us? <laughs> but no, it's just, it's like, yeah. like, I'm not even aware of it. Like people would get like upset for me. And I'm like, Oh, well, it didn't bother me. I don't know. Like I don't, I didn't see it as a con. Like I didn't feel like I needed to have a conversation about it. So that's on one end. I don't feel like my feelings easily get hurt. Like when they do get hurt, it's, they get hurt, but it, it doesn't happen very easily. I don't feel like I'm going through life always getting hurt. And then I think one thing that really helped me with conflict is I think I learned actually the value of having conflict. We were um, in a situation and we were going to, I mean, it's a long story, so I don't really know how to edit it, but basically we were moving forward and someone just kind of went silent. And so there, then I realized I would rather have conflict with someone than there to be nothing because I was on the end of the nothing and then your mind creates the worst case scenarios. And so I'm like, wow. Because like, I probably would have been that person. Oh, well, I'll just leave, let that lie and not really address it. And then I was on the end of it, letting it lie. And it was terrible. It was horrible. I would have rather had the person come to me and, and said what they really thought or felt. Um, and so I think it took that experience to realize the value of conflict. Like, yes, say you can say it nicely and you can, you know, it doesn't have to be messy. It doesn't have to be aggressive, but silence is like the worst. Mm. And so it, it took me being on the other end of that 
in order to really value it. Mm, mm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Really good stuff. All right. So questions. Yes. It's strange to me in some respects to hear the term initiate conflict because conflict is kind of a loaded word for me. So what would be a good definition of conflict that versus, you know, war or, you know, the things that you, that I can attribute conflict to. I mean, I I can see when you use the term exchange of ideas, maybe addressing some kind of a disagreement or. Conflict already has, is a loaded word, right? So that's, that's, um, you're right about that. It has that feel to it. In particular for the nine, everything is, is possibly a conflict whenever you're involving yourself. Am I right? So this is the reason why with nines, I have, to, I have to say the nines that I coach, I have to say you have to find and create conflict. That's part of your growth because that's the way it feels to the nine. To another type, I'd say, yeah, you know, they normally create lots of conflict and they have no problem with it. They have different work to do. For the nine, they're never going to create war. They're always peacemakers. They're going to err on that side. For them, it's as simple as saying, hey, we think that the meeting tonight should go this way. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 I agree. Oh, yeah, and I think it should be this, and I think it should be that. And the nine will sit there and observe and read and pick up. And they're reading everything, and they're picking up on all the vibes and the energies, and they're picking up on the agenda. The nine falls asleep to itself. Cool. Go with that. But if I were to ask the nine, what do you want And the nine has a moment to think about it. And the nine realizes, I don't want to do this. But I'm the only one out of these three that doesn't want to do this. If I speak up and say it, it, it's going to be bad. That's that's creating conflict. For the nine, that's creating conflict. I have one nine who um, had to actually break off. It was really extremely difficult, but break off relationship with a friend who's abusive. I had to guide her through it, but the very way she did it was sweet, very kind, very loving. I need to work on me. I've got issues I got to deal with, and so I'm not going to be able to as be as available to you. Well, lo and behold, the result of that was everything she feared because that friend went ballistic and like, you, selfish. And everything that the nine already fears, this person leveled at the nine. But that's the version. That, now, that's a serious one. But the way the nine did it was a very non-confrontational, non-attacking, non-adversarial way. It was very sweet. With most people, 99% of the people, that would have been acceptable. But it would have been fine. Right? So for the nine, it's asserting itself. And every time the nine asserts it, it, it's voice. Like, I think differently about this. Could I suggest my thought, my opinion? That's a potential conflict. Have I said that? Right? Okay. Going against what anybody thinks is a form of conflict or there's potential. Like, oh, are they going to like like me because I'm disagreeing with them or because I have a different opinion, you know? Mm. So any, any different opinion almost could be, which is very minor, right? Like, but yeah, even just saying like, I don't think we should paint this room, you know, that blue there. I think we should paint it a different color when everybody else is, is saying, well, I think it should be orange. Well, I think it should be, you know, green. Well, I think it should be, you know, off white. I think it should be. And then the nine 
Even just as something as innocuous as that, a nine might say, hmm, I'm not getting into that. Whereas for me, I'd look at it and go, I think you're all, I think you're all crazy. That's, those are terrible colors, you know. But I'll say it lightly. I won't be confrontational. I'll just be lightly and just laugh about it. But if someone were to ask me, I'd say, yeah, my, pre- my, my preference is this. Or I have no opinion, and genuinely I don't. I don't really care. But, but for the nine, it's effort to get in and down, figure out what do I think, what do I feel, then the audacity to actually say, these are my thoughts or these are my opinions. Yeah. Pairing up with an eight is a great idea, too. I mean, I've learned so much from being married to an eight. Really? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful gift to have other types. Yeah, Dave. I was just wondering if in terms of like the word conflict, would friction work as sort of a, another way of putting it, you know, it creating friction versus like, you know, if conflict has too many connotations to it, maybe it's, it's creating friction so that there's, it's. Well, it's, and again, this is where words really have to be not the ones that are comfortable for our types. So it really matters to the, to the nine. And so we use in the Enneagram coaching, I might say, you know, you have to create conflict. Now for the nine, if that particular nine doesn't doesn't like that word, just like the word sloth is the vice, you know, I have some nines that they wouldn't, they don't connect with sloth. Sloth doesn't work for them. But if I say falling asleep to your type, yeah, okay. Or they might say, they might have another term to describe it. Like, yeah, I don't really put myself, I don't put a priority on my own desires, my own ambitions. Okay, let's go with that. Because it's really how you see it's not how I describe it as much as we start there, conflict, but if, it's, if you see it differently, it feels different to you, put your words to it um, because it's about you, know, you initiating whatever it is, but that it might feel like friction, it might feel like conflict, it might feel like you know, asserting myself, uh, you know, those sort of things. So thank you so much for coming out and thank you to the eights. Thank you, nines. Awesome. Thanks again for listening to the Enneagram Panels podcast. We have a Facebook page now, so if you want to search for the Enneagram Panels podcast on Facebook, there'll be some additional content as well as a way for us to interact a little bit more so we can really form a community for spiritual transformation, which is our goal. Um, If you're interested in coaching specifically through the Enneagram, it's a really good idea to help someone to actually walk with you on your journey instead of only listening to it from an external source like a podcast or something. So having that dialogue can be very, very helpful. And uh, that's something that Joel does. So you can contact Joel through his website at www.joelhubbard.com. So you can talk about individual coaching or organizational coaching. So having us coming into uh, your organization, your business, whatever, and having us use some of these tools in order to make the interpersonal communication on the teams more effective. My wife, who was on the nine panel and I have worked with couples over the years and we're going to begin doing some couples coaching. So we, as a couple talk to another couple and the Enneagram will be one of the main tools that we use to do that. You can contact me about that through www.jimzartman.com. This podcast has been produced by talkie record studios in Lynn, Massachusetts, All music is copyrighted by me, Jim Zartman. And this podcast is made possible by Vine 39 Church in Stoneham, Massachusetts. If you leave us a review on iTunes, it helps people find the show. So special thanks this week to Christy EP for your review on iTunes. All right. Have a good one.